Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. A month ago, Hong Kong said it will issue its first ever cryptocurrency exchange license. We know China's been trying to create the world's first sovereign digital currency, the digital renminbi, and that there are almost 20 digital currency projects being led by central banks as institutions realize they need to join the game or risk being passed by. Amidst all this fear of missing out, how can one discern what is an investment opportunity and where those opportunities lie? or if it's a crypto Ponzi scheme. Today, we're going to embark on the first in a series meant to break down the broader principles of the game. We're going to ask, will blockchain and digital currencies reshape the economy? Joining us live to share his thoughts and real-world experience in this evolving field is an accomplished lawyer. He's also senior advisor to the Global Blockchain Foundation. Krishna Ramachandra has over two decades of experience in corporate finance, M&A and private equity deals. He is chairman of Selvam LLC. C and MD of international law firm Dwayne Morris and Selvam. And he and his team have advised over 200 transactions related to blockchain distributed ledger technology. Welcome, Krishna. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you with us today. So we'll start with why, as a capital markets lawyer, Krishna, have you become an authority in the area of blockchain? So that's a great question. And I actually usually start off by uh, by thanking one of my, my clients uh, who are uh, who basically put me on the spot about four years ago and said that, look, Chris, you've got to roll up your sleeves and uh, and do this yourself and, and not time it off. Because, you know, I was a skeptic, uh, you know, five years ago, mm. and I thought this was just going to uh, pass along, uh, certainly not on my watch. And, uh, you know, being a traditional capital markets, corporate finance lawyer, you know, I just couldn't rationalize, you know, how this, um, uh, this almost... Uh, I would say philosophy and social behavioral pattern around um, this movement, this blockchain, uh, would ever actually take off. Uh, so anyway, set up a uh, set up a digital asset fund for the client, and um, the rest is history. I just got so intrigued by it, and uh, just started going granular. And um, then I understood that um, you know it uh, it made a lot of sense to to understand the the old world philosophies, if you like, behind. Um, uh, finance mm-hmm. um, alongside um, what we are seeing right now, which is, uh, you know, a, a huge number of movements and one of it being, um, you know, a new um, financial movement as well. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a while, decentralized mm-hmm. finance. But let's get your take on the topic. So I was reading uh, former MD of UBS in Switzerland, Adriana mm-hmm. Lucatelli. He's a digital wealth manager. And he said the idea of a decentralized immutable register is still wonderful, but blockchain mm-hmm. is often a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. And that blockchain's only major success to date is Bitcoin. Would you agree? Uh, 100%. Uh, and, you know, it's... Uh it requires a pretty um, a pretty deep understanding to to come to that conclusion because if you look if you look behind that the philosophy and if you like the genesis behind uh, uh, the creation of uh, bitcoin it was at a time when you know literally um it was the, it was the financial arab spring if you like hmm. uh for for the for the community particularly the uh, the men on the street and it was the middle finger if you like uh, to wall street and so they the first project was Bitcoin and uh, utilizing uh, the DLT technology, the distributed ledger technology. 
and and that really was the only project which which you know has all the uh, all the core components of what a uh, a pure uh, blockchain project should have which is distributed trustless decentralized uh, with a consensus mechanism which is supported by a community of developers who in a sense are working uh, altruistically so uh, so he's 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 spot on and 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 the and the rest of what we have seen are projects which uh, which look good on paper, mm-hmm. and uh, but I'm not entirely sure if they have uh, real world relevance just yet. There is certainly a lot of uh, uh, a lot of potential, if you like, uh, with uh, for example the insurance industry, and there's a lot being said about supply chain logistics. A lot of us said about the uh, the shipping industry and and transport. Mm. But you know, the, the moment you have what I call the uh, the human interference at any point of that of that chain, um, you actually defeat the purpose of uh, of uh, having the DLT and and the, and the virtues of it. So it's uh, it's it's something which has promise, but I think there needs to be wider adoption. I mean, if you if you think about where it was ten years ago to where we are now, you know. Some fantastic uh, progress has been made, but I think we are we are not there yet in terms of um, looking at non-financial or cryptocurrency related uh, projects uh, related to blockchain in a meaningful way. Would it be fair to say that a couple of years back, uh, you know, bankers usually looked at cryptocurrencies as speculative and blockchain is interesting. But really today, it's Bitcoin and digital assets that are nearly established, while Mm -hmm. a fantastic blockchain application is not yet. Yeah. So, I mean, so, well, actually, a fantastic blockchain application is there in the sense that the, the, all the digital currencies and the digital assets, if you like, uh, are, uh, are the, uh, the only blockchain project out there which is meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you need to go back and understand the, uh, the psyche of the developers. I mean, it was absolute genius in the way they came up with the protocol. And it required, you know, an almost altruistic and um, community-driven uh, movement. Mm-hmm. So for me, I look upon blockchain as a movement. It is almost a uh, a principle and a philosophy that you have Gen Z and uh, and and the millennials uh, adopting and embracing. Mm-hmm. Because even if you think about crowdfunding, right? Who would have ever thought? I mean, coming from as a uh, traditional corporate finance lawyer, who would have thought that crowdfunding, you know, not having any equity or or, or debt um, rights uh, to a funding process would uh, would ever take off but you know but that's that's the new uh, the new thinking it's um, it's very community oriented it's paying it forward moving the uh, uh, moving the community together mm-hmm. so i mean that's very encouraging uh, but i tell you what else is encouraging because mm-hmm. if you if you may notice uh, you may have noticed uh, some time back with uh, Jamie Diamond when he was at JPM JP Morgan mm-hmm. and even uh, Warren Buffett with um, with with both of the uh, you know very bold statements that you know bitcoin you know and and everything related to it are scams yeah but you know they've had to uh, swallow humble pie and and, and embrace it so i mean you, you've got to give them credit mm-hmm. and um, and respect them for being able to uh, um, concede on certain things all right so our investors are excited they want to know where the investment opportunities are right now as you see and by the way if you have a question for krishna you can send it my way at 669-11893 or through my instagram page michelle martin radio uh, so krishna 
where are the investment opportunities out there right now? If you're looking at the wow. crypto pool, maybe. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a tough question, I tell you, because um, I think the the sad reality is the odds are, are stacked against uh, a newcomer because there is a very steep learning curve for you to have a baseline understanding of how the entire ecosystem works. And if you don't have that baseline understanding, what you are generally going to do is to to go to the, uh, the the usual sites, you know, whether it's on YouTube and, and, and the narrative which is out there, mm-hmm. um, which are really part of a... Um, of a larger um, effort by by self-interested parties in promoting whichever project they have. I mean, it was when I started this journey, you know, I I, I had to refer to a lot of these um, uh, these videos and blogs and articles. And you know, four or five months later, you know, I would revisit those and I would say, wow, you know, this is so far removed from the actual scenario on on the ground. Mm. So, I mean, I would just caution. I would just caution that. Um, that anyone looking to um, looking to get uh, into the um, the whole investment cycle, if you like, in this area, mm-hmm. um, you know, do do a lot of understanding because it, it you know we are there's just so much more uh, time and opportunities over the over the months and years. You know, there there should really be no uh, FOMO, as you mentioned earlier, because uh, it's it's still early days. And um, I would say look at. Um, uh, the digital currencies out there because that has a real real world relevance and and I see that being um, um, moved forward by uh, by countries particularly countries uh, who have uh, really taken the digital narrative uh, up a few notches all right let's talk about digital currencies we've seen mm-hmm. a glut of many ICOs initial coin offerings many unregulated in your view are many ICOs and STOs generally misguided great word misguided I think uh, I think that would be it because um, the whole concept of uh, you know when they started off with the fundraising with ICOs it was effectively listening doing an IPO on a startup and it was really almost tantamount to putting a uh, putting the um, the card in front of the horse and having these uh, tokens uh, listed even before the project uh, really took off or even before the um, that the team was uh, uh, put together to carry out you know whichever early stages of the milestone uh, of the milestone requirements so I, it was misguided in that sense because there was a, there was a lot of great ideas i must say we've come across uh, quite a few but in the main, you had, um, I would say there, the, the insiders or the people who have been, who have been involved uh, in blockchain and with Bitcoin and the, and the whole ecosystem mm-hmm. right from the start, they, they are the ones who were able to set up, if you like, the, uh, the support structures, the exchanges, the, um, um, the wallet providers, uh, and in some of the earlier, uh, early day uh, advisors as well. And they kind of guided the narrative. They guided the direction uh, for a lot of these projects. So, um, so a lot of these projects, uh, which in in the end, in the final analysis, ended up being a bit scammy. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say that they were as a result of um, uh, the entrepreneurs or the founders of those uh, projects um, uh, having that intention. But it ended up being so because there's a lot of um, Playing up of the market because the moment you you list these tokens which are um, which have got no uh, price efficiency at all, mm. and you are feeding the kind of narrative you want on the various uh, social media uh, platforms and channels, 
then the market expects something. But if you have insiders who are controlling that narrative, then there, there, is, there is a massive uh, information gap yes. and, and even accuracy. So um, it's, it's hard, it's, isn't it, for, for it is, the men on is. the street to sort of discern where the power lies? Correct, correct. And, um, and, I, and I think it is one of uh, an evolution because now we, uh, we, we rarely see those uh, projects. And it, it's, it, in a sense, these, uh, these pain points need to be experienced. Mm-hmm. And, and also for the, uh, for the regulators as well to understand, you know, what is the extent to which uh, projects uh, like these uh, or the ones which were uh, fraudulent or scammy, you know, what extent would they go to in terms of the kind of representations and, and how they would actually uh, uh, accumulate the, uh, the resources and in what manner, and even the tax authorities, for them to actually understand the dynamics around uh, these tokens and, uh, and the intrinsic value as well, for them to be able to work out if there is an, an, an income that is uh, generatable for the, uh, for, this, for the state. Okay, that's interesting. Let's just pick up on that point of tokens and values. So what is the added value of tokenizing the world from tokenizing real estate to tokenizing a major sports team like Juventus, for example? Well, if there is a, uh, a conscious and a concerted effort made by the issue of those tokens to tap on the network effect, that means having other ecosystems that they can latch onto and, and, and create an interoperability uh, between those networks, for example, you mentioned uh, Juventus. Mm-hmm. So if you, if Juventus were to, um, um, to issue those tokens and they just did that amongst uh, their fan base and did nothing else, then they would really be struggling because they're not really tapping onto the potential of a digitalization strategy. And tapping on the potential of a digitalization strategy would mean looking out for other ecosystems. It may well be a... Um, it may well be a massive esports um, uh, venture out in China or in Asia, as you know. Uh, that's a, a focus market for them, and seeing how the tokens that they issue would would and can be used in other ecosystems. Then you have your one plus one equals to five strategy. That's that is um, that's the network effect, and that would be um, that would be important and. And, and relevant and actually useful and meaningful to actually undertake this whole effort, if you like, to um, to launch a token and to monitor the uh, the the, uh, uh, the value of the tokens as well as the um, the value proposition uh, for the token holders. So, if there is a uh, an attendant uh, digitalization strategy mm-hmm. that that latches onto the network effect, totally, you know, it's uh, it's the way forward. All right. The crypto world is abuzz uh, with, with this term DeFi. Uh, we understand that's decentralized finance. You say it's got mm-hmm. amazing growth potential, uh, especially mm-hmm. given what you've seen in the last two quarters. What is your take on decentralized finance or DeFi? And is there a safe way that we can all participate in it in the bull run? So let me answer the second part of the question. Uh, there isn't a safe way to participate. There isn't? Um, there isn't. Uh, sorry to, uh, to be a wet bubble. blanket. <laughs> yeah. But, but it has tremendous potential. But unfortunately, it's too early in the game for uh, decentralized, uh, decentralized finance to actually take off because it, um, it, requires, it requires a whole host of factors to be completely operating at, at uh, at 100% efficiency and with no friction at all. So if you look at, uh, actually, I can just point to uh, anybody who wants to uh, look at the perfect example of how things can go badly wrong. Mm-hmm. 
just type in, you know, Black Thursday, uh, 12th of March. And um, that's when you had the perfect storm of how everything could go wrong. Uh, that's when, you know, um, what people put down as risk factors and potential black swan events, you know, it just happened, right? There was a, uh, and actually what's interesting is, um, is how the, um, the, de- the decentralized finance world mm. is actually quite, quite uh, closely linked. It's, 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 it's not decoupled from the centralized finance world because what actually le- led up to the uh, Black Thursday event was a uh, liquidity um, uh, crunch narrative uh, on the dollar and um, that led to a weakening of the uh, Ethereum, um, Ethereum currency ether and um and that and that led to a um if you like the equivalent of a run on the bank and people were looking to uh, uh to cash out or to top up if you like uh on um on um, the uh, the margin calls for for those who had uh, borrowed mm-hmm. uh from these uh, liquidity pools and and then unfortunately um Ethereum, as as great as it is, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of it. Um, they haven't reached the uh, the the level of um, scale and reliability to to withstand a uh, a, a massive um, a spike in activity. And you know that that's my main concern. And and actually, the the other big um, problem uh, with that particular event was there was a um, there was a line on the code that was um, that was not included, and it led to a very uh, odd situation where actually someone with a zero a zero dollar bid could actually uh, uh, sweep up all the um, the eats that were uh, being uh, auctioned off. And um, so you can you can even you can even see now how for a project um, like um, uh, and and a platform like MakerDAO, it it still you know that's like regarded as one of the uh, the, the leading uh, DeFi uh, platforms, but it still you know was vulnerable to um, to the age-old issues of uh, hacks, uh, to um, the low latency and 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 lack of scale, and and even the uh, uh, the uh, the probability of mm-hmm. someone. Um, trying to gain the system. All right, we've got a listener question. Uh, given mm-hmm. the newfound popularity of decentralized finance and the amount of value locked in DeFi apps, what do you think of uh, Ethereum? And what do you think of competitor NEO, the Chinese Ethereum, which uh, has been showing double-digit percentage gains? Traders want to understand the launch of multi-chain yield farming uh, involved in apps like Flam Income, mm-hmm. for example. So what do you think mm-hmm. of NEO? Uh, what is your response? Actually, my response is pretty clear. I um, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, recommend that anyone participate unless they have understood the entire ecosystem of uh, uh, DeFi platforms because it um, there is a massive a knowledge gap uh, which um, which we are seeing right now in the uh, in the eco- in the DeFi ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It is not as straightforward, and it's uh, the, the the user interfaces and uh, and, and actually understanding where the arbitrage opportunities are and mm-hmm. and being connected to communities who are um, who are able to um, work together that's going to be hard for someone who's coming from the outside and mm-hmm. and entering the market so you know if if you are a first time entrant into um if you like this whole new uh, 
uh, world of uh, of digital currencies and the the attendant projects. Yeah. I think you know stay clear of uh, DeFi because it's it's going to require um, a, a, a much uh, higher level of understanding before mm-hmm. you can get off the races. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Krishna. Can you give no us a, a primer of the evolution then, the basic understanding that you're talking about that we need? Can you give us a, a quick primer on the evolution of the field as you see where we are so far in some current trends? Yeah, I mean, I think we are not so far removed from how it works in the in the, um, in the conventional uh, centralized market, financial market. Mm-hmm. So um, there's always a narrative. There's a narrative which is out there at least for um, stocks and shares, you have the narrative that is controlled largely by, you know, the big four, you know, Bloomberg, uh, CNBC and, and, and the likes. And there are rules which, um, which govern the whole ecosystem for uh, securities that are, that are listed. Right. Whereas if you're looking at um, uh, tokens or currencies that are listed here, it's the price information gap which is, um, which is missing. So there's a lot of FOMO that happens, as you mentioned before, the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually quite interesting to see how uh, as, as, as altruistic as the, as the movement has been in terms of the community moving forward, mm-hmm. you also do see some uh, really um, clinical uh, and um, uh, unpleasant uh, attempts by, uh, uh, by the same community to... Um, uh, to to con their own uh, community members into investing in certain things, so it's you just have to you just have to be connected with the narrative on the ground. I think you have to understand if um, if a particular token has got a a credible team of um, of uh, advisors, people who actually have on ground experience. Mm. Um, I think gone are the days where you'll just have someone who is a respected or senior figure in a particular industry, and then he he or she is deemed to uh, to lend that uh, that support and credibility. I think you've got to look into 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 those things, and you've also got to look into the um, the the general macroeconomic and and central centralized finance. Um, uh, factors, and what do I mean by that? So, if you look at um, the um, the flight to gold, and the flight to gold had a corresponding flight to um, uh, to Bitcoin, right? And you know, so you cannot get away from from basic human behavioral patterns, particularly for investors. You know, they they talk about how you you have to ring fence your emotions. I mean, if you can do that, you know, you're already uh, one step ahead of the game. Um, and so I, I would just actually uh, just stick to the uh, to the basics, you know, for your for your listeners who are already investors and accomplished investors. Mm-hmm. Don't don't necessarily uh, believe the hype and the uh, the narrative that is publicly out there. Mm-hmm. If you've got people who are, were uh, who actually are involved in some of the exchanges, you know, they are the best people to really have a, a heart to heart and and get the inside track. Tons of more questions coming your way for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave you with this final one from a listener. Are you bullish on Bitcoin? It seems to be flirting with 11,000. You mentioned Bitcoin and the correlation with gold. Yeah, I mean, a Bitcoin for me, I mean, as much as, um, you know, I've been involved in, uh, in, in quite a lot of projects, um, I think I was sharing with you the other day, I've, I've, I've only ever um, uh Double in one one particular token, and it was uh, I three, I've got three bitcoins, and it's literally for you know I've got three I've got three kids as well, 
if it's worth nothing tomorrow, so be it. If it's worth, you know, a million bucks, so be it. But obviously, I just wanted to understand the mechanics as well. Mm. But I have steered away from all tokens just purely because there is a um, variety of issues as well as professionally. Uh, I, I am bullish on, um, on the philosophy behind Bitcoin. I feel that Bitcoin has, has achieved and has broken through that, um, that perceived value threshold. That perceived value is um, is something which all asset classes, you know, whether it's um, whether someone is going to pay a thousand bucks for a, um, a a white T-shirt that has got a Supreme written on it, uh, versus uh, you know a, a another T-shirt that is ten bucks. Um, it's all about the perception of value, and and for that threshold to be breached. Um, it required a uh, a movement and a wider level of adoption, and and I think Facebook Facebook was the tipping point uh, in terms of their announcement on on Libra. Although that was also uh, um, I think unfortunately um, mm. uh, stillborn um, in terms of their launch, they they created or they required you know analysts and people like you to really understand what the whole fuss about uh, cryptocurrencies were and so that i think was the tipping point in terms of the attention that bitcoin got and uh, and how it had survived you know five or six uh, bust and boom cycles over the years and uh, and have still that um, energy in the legs, if you like. Great talking to you as always, Krishna. Thank you for joining us this morning. My pleasure. My pleasure. He's Krishna Ramachandra, Senior Advisor to the Global Blockchain Foundation, Chairman of the Helix Initiative and Managing Director of Dwayne Morris and Selvam LLP and Chairman of Selvam LLC. Next time, where is new money being directed towards? What do you need to understand as an investor looking for opportunities in digital asset funds? And how far has Singapore come in the race for digital currencies? That's next time on Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.